live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in land of movies, TV, comics, and more. This is the entertainment edition of the ODPH podcast, and we definitely want to interact with you. So let's waste no more time, shall we? Hit us up on those social media accounts. You can find all of them at odphpodcast.com. Join in on Facebook. Join in on Twitter. Join in on Instagram. Join in on Podchaser. Drop a five-star review while you're there. Yeah. Check out the T Public Store, all that, and so much more. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Because as we kick off this edition of the podcast, mm-hmm. there's a big moment that happened in Disney Plus today. Mm-hmm. Big one on streaming. A highly anticipated show has finally made its debut, and that is Marvel Studios' Loki. Yeah. So we now know the future adventures of the god of mischief himself, Loki, played by the one and only Tom Hiddleston, mm-hmm. that we know from the endings in Avengers Endgame. He is somewhere in the time stream. Yep. After the botched attempt to go get the Tesseract. Yep. He has now stolen it and is traveling in time. And everybody has been asking, well, what's going on from here? Where Where, do we go from? Where do you go? Right. So this show finally picks up that saga. And we are going to be stressing about spoilers. We are going to be putting in the show notes the time we start talking about it till we end it. Because we don't want to ruin it for anybody because it has come out today as we were recording So we want to give you fair enough time to watch the episode and then jump in and hear our play-by-play recap. So Pat is going to make sure we have that in the timestamp. So definitely, we are stressing, we are going to be talking spoilers. So we don't want to hear nothing like, I didn't know you talking spoilers. Exactly. We give you fair warning and then some. Because we don't want to hear that, oh, we didn't know about spoilers. Because once we start deep diving, we're not going to stop. So you have been warned. Check the timestamp. Because in three, two, one, Pad. What did you think? I thought it was a really great episode. You know, a little surprised at how they started it, given it was like a full-fledged retelling uh, for the first, like, what, five minutes or so from Mm -hmm. what we saw in Avengers Endgame. But once we got past that, I was very interested to see, and my God, Loki's a broken man. Holy smokes, man. Let's get weird. This show had a whole different vibe that I just couldn't put my finger on. But I definitely was impressed by the episode. And I do love the fact that, that we did have that Avengers Endgame recap. Mm-hmm. Because one thing I always preach about is when you are a new reader or new viewer. Yeah. And you're coming into a show, to know where the characters are and how we got here, I think, is vital. I always preach yeah. that Valiant Comics does an amazing job with this with their comics. Because the first page of each issue... They are breaking down where the story has been to where you are now. So if you are a new reader, you can jump right in. So salute to Valiant. I thought Disney and Marvel Studios did a great job with this. Yeah. Because you might have forgotten, okay, what is the big deal about Loki? You see the whole reenactment of the whole time about the Tesseract from Avengers Endgame, and then we go right into it. And then we see that Loki has wound up in Mongolia. Of all places. Yes, the Gobi Desert. 
So he is there and is trying to interact with the inhabitants of the, the desert. The locals. Yes. And they're all looking at him like, what is going on? Yeah, he's trying to do his whole spiel. Of course, this is taking place in 2012, so it's still Loki when he's like, I'm better than you. I'm going to rule everyone. He hasn't had his, you know, uh, reimagining of himself. He hasn't, you know, found his place. Uh, so he's he's doing his whole thing where it's like, I'm a god. You should kneel before me, blah, blah, blah. And, I'm, and even I'm sitting there before they said anything. I'm like, does he realize they don't understand him? And sure enough, they go, what? Yes. And during this point, we do see the emergence of the Time Variance Authority, known as the TVA, Uh that is coming to look for him. And as he shows up, Loki is trying to fight them off, and it does not go well. No. They use a very cool weapon, which slows him down to, I believe, 1.5 seconds per action. Yeah, they said they said it. It was I, and there might have even at one point been like a percentage thrown out of how slow he was. Yes, it was stupidly slow. But I think the key thing they mentioned at one point was he slows it down, but he feels the pain in real time, which I'm like, well, that sucks. Yes, it does. But it's a very cool way to sense, OK, how this group is going to play out, because we really don't know a lot about the Time Variance Authority. No, but they very quickly establish how powerful they are. Yes, they are not messing around. So as Loki is taking capture, they do set off another device, which resets the timeline. So basically, the easiest way to describe it, it's like in Men in Black. Yes. When they whip out the phaser. Yeah, and, yeah. And they mind wipe everybody. Essentially the same thing, but it works. It's yeah. time travel. We know this going in, so we have to take this in with a grain of salt. So as we get Loki sent into the Time Variance Authority, he shows up for processing and booking. That is the easiest way to describe that Pretty scene. much, yeah. Yes, and he has to stand in front of Ravona Renslayer, who's played by Gugu Mathba Raw, and is trying to plead his case because what is going on here is he is figuring out, okay, I'm here, I don't know what's going on. As he's led through the booking, he's seeing another gentleman that is also in the same predicament he's in yeah because you got to figure he's a couple thousand years old so he may not have seen everything but he's at least familiar with quite a lot and he is so hilariously out of his element here where he's just even there are points where he's like yeah this is all a ruse you're just doing this to scare me yes so as he's even going through the processing which they're doing these little tongue-in-cheek moments where it seems so quirky yeah. And it, I honestly had like a Willy Wonka vibe to it. Eh, like, kind, kind of. It, it was just such a like an odd scene to see how the humor was being placed out here because it was just like a little mix of like Hanna-Barbera and Willy Wonka. Yeah, like, a little it, bit. Yeah, which I didn't mind because it's different. And one thing that you'll always hear me preach on the show is I don't like the cookie cutter mentality that Marvel does often. So to have this stand out and really be something different, I thought it was good because just how they were going about this was interesting. And as you see, Loki has to take his ticket to go through booking after he has already gone through this process where he's had to verify every word he's ever said in his mm-hmm. life. He's gone through this where they strip him down from his Asgardian leather, which uh, fine Asgardian, fine leather. Asgardian leather. And then he's processed there. They've gone through every instance where he is just being booked and he is now in prisoner of the time variance authority. Yeah, so, the funny, and there was a funny moment where he's standing there waiting to go in front of the judge, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and he sees an interaction with another variant and the, one of the officers and where's your ticket? Oh, I don't have it. And he like the, the variant tries fighting him and the officer just whips out that little staff they use and disintegrates him and sends him Lord knows where, but Loki doesn't know where he goes to Loki. He's like, oh, he's dead. Uh, where's my ticket? Where's my ticket? Where's yeah. my ticket? The guard isn't even looking at him, and he's just like, I have my ticket. 
Yeah, is is a cool play on the sense of process and booking. And like I said, I yeah. really I really dug it because as he's walking through the uh, waiting line, quote unquote, mm-hmm. he does see a video come on, and we do hear the voice of Miss Minutes, uh, voiced by the one and only and incredible Tara Strong. Yes. So we get the quick introduction of the Time Variance Authority, which I thought was very cool. And can I just say, kudos, you know, to the set designers and the the folks who built the sets. I'm digging the 70s vibe with everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's awesome. It was so retro. Uh Uh-huh. And it was so fresh, too. Like, I know I I always say modern retro when I talk about Stargirl. Yeah. This kind of had, like, the other side of the coin to it. It it was retro without being overbearing. Yeah, like, it wasn't so over the top, but just the throwback and the time period and just for the vibe it was going on was very cool. And as you see, Miss Marvel is going through explaining the Time Variance Authority and how they're in charge of watching over the time stream and what happens when somebody breaks away and how it's done. And does explain the multiverse, which... I know there was a little footnote that was mentioned about how there was many multiverses and they had yeah, a battle. And, and they then... were fighting each other, yeah. So it is a subtle Easter egg, I guess you could interpret it as, for Secret Wars. Right. So if you don't know about that crossover, that is a long-standing Marvel big battle that was recently done by Jonathan Hickman, and I think it's fantastic. It's an amazing read. You should definitely check it out. I always feel they're going to do that as a movie, and I know the sure. Russo brothers have at least a while back said that that would be the one thing to bring him back to the MCU. I th- yeah, I think they said it around the time Endgame came out. Yeah, because if you've never read it, it, it is an epic story. It's one of the best Marvel stories you could ever read. So if they're going to set up for this, I am here for it. Take my money now. Yeah, I mean, it might be a case of where they're just planting the seed now, and if they do it, cool. And, you know, they don't have to worry about planting that seed down the road, and if nothing comes of it, oh, hey, it's just a fun Easter egg for the fans. Yes, because now when he finally gets up, and now he knows the situation he's in. He has to go in front of Ravona, and she is saying, "Are you guilty of the crimes you've done? Because you've now uh, broken the timeline." Yeah. And in typical Loki fashion, just the over-the-top charm. Yeah. That he's doing in this, he's like, "I am a god. I do I'm, not. I'm a god. Like, oh, listen, I'm not the one who broke the timeline. It was. It, I don't know how the hell he figured this out, but he goes, "Oh, it was the Avengers traveling back in time." to recover the Tesseract because I obviously rose to power and rose to prominence in the future. And I'm like, all right, I guess you're a god. How the hell? You, you're a little off base, but you're not far off base. Yeah, Hiddleston is just absolutely, absolutely crushing the scene. And it just the Charmin is just oozing out of him in this and one. And that's part of the reason I was really excited for this show was I love Hiddleston in this role, but it's literally six episodes, an hour each, roughly, give or take, of Hiddleston just hamming it up. Yeah, and it's just fantastic. Just how he's delivering it because he's so smooth about it, but he's so snarky at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Like, it's just a, such a great balance to Loki because that's how he is truly in the comics when you see him at his best. Like, I know that he does play off Thor a lot and obviously being the Asgardian god of mischief, he does play everybody against themselves but just how he comes off and just how quickly he's like no it's the avengers fault i I was doing nothing wrong just to see the reaction about that was absolutely perfect and ravona just answers back and says no that is your situation Mm -hmm. you've been responsible for this all the time their avengers were meant to happen because of you yep so your excuse doesn't work meanwhile at this time they do jump to 1549 france yeah and there is an investigation going on because the soldiers of the TVA, the Minutemen, if you will, have been being attacked throughout yep. time. Yep. And we do see the introduction of one character, Mobius M. Mobius, played by the one and only Owen Wilson. Yeah. Who comes in and is investigating the scene. 
And he winds up talking to a young child that's in the cathedral they're in and is asking, who did this? Yeah. And she points to a stained glass mirror, or window rather, mm-hmm. and it appears that there is a devil-like creature on the window. It's not Mephisto. I know. The director is, I'm not saying this for you, it's just for the folks at home. Oh, I know, I'm with you. But It's not Mephisto. The director and producers have already come out and said it's not Mephisto. It was such a red herring, no pun intended, that I think they kept it in there just to get people talking. Probably. Because they knew the hype that was going around about that. Everybody suddenly wants to see Mephisto in the MCU. Yeah. I don't get that for some reason. Like, I'd love to know the origin of like where the rumor even started back with uh, WandaVision. Well, WandaVision... Like, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, how the hell did that get started? Like, What's the origin of that whole thing? When you see WandaVision's kids... Yeah. They're connected to Mephisto. Oh, okay. So the, the minute you saw the kids, you knew that there was going to possibly be that. Oh, okay. But just the love affair that it's still continuing, that's what's throwing me off. Yeah. Like, I just, it doesn't got register. A, they got a real hard on for them. Yeah. And, like, I, I don't get this. This is like Sony Sinister Six. Say that three times fast. This is kind of that weird love affair that, yeah. that fans are, are clamoring for, them, but yet. In the comics, the only, the only difference is fans aren't pumping millions of dollars and billions of dollars into stuff that ultimately flops. Well, true, that's that's true. But in the comics, like I say, Mephisto is not exactly somebody you run to the racks to go. No, see. like is he's just one of those characters. Like he's a very important character, but he's not somebody that is in the most popular co- column. I no, would say. he's not like Doctor Doom. No, trust me, when Doom hits the MCU, we'll all know. But this is where Mobius is still investigating, and he understands that something's going on. And then he even finds a pack of gum, which had, like, a weird character on it as well. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, and, and then, I, I gotta say, Mobius is, a, you know, Owen Wilson, a little too free with how he interacts with po- folks, especially back in time. Man clearly hasn't learned the issues and, and problems that come up with being a little loose-lipped in time travel. Because he says to the little boy in 15-whatever France... I speak all the time, all the languages of the timeline. Kids are going to be like, the hell are you talking about? The only thing I took away from that is I think he resets everything the minute he goes back. That could be. So that was a quick, easy, no way out. But I do agree with you. He is very open about everything that's going on. Like he's somebody yeah. that loose lips, sink ships. You would think, yeah, you would think with the secrets of the TVA that he'd be a little more, you know, cards close to the chest. Yeah. Not so much. Yeah. But. Yeah. During this time, though, he is summoned back, and he does come for the trial of Loki, as you can call, and the judge is ready to have him be reset through the timeline and wiped away. But Mobius makes a deal to have him turned over to him, which I thought was kind of interesting to see how this plays out. And then as they start walking through the TVA, this place was like the Jetsons times a thousand. Oh, my God, yeah. So futuristic. Yeah. It was just mind blowing to see, like I say, the the CGI they had for the show, and the C, yeah, the CGI was top notch, and and I, this isn't a knock, but the one scene where they're looking out, it's like the broad, expansive window, and it's kind of looking out into, I don't know if it was the town, the main office, like whatever it was, that was honestly a little overwhelming. That I'm sitting there watching, it's going, holy shit, this place is big. Yes. So as they start walking to the theater, mm-hmm. as it's called, yep. It's almost a this-is-your-life moment because Mobius <laughs> wants to know what's making Loki tick. And it's kind of a weird thing because he's really driving home the point of, like, why are you how you are? Like, what is your plans? Has he not read his title? Like, there's your explanation. Right. God of mischief. He's yeah. doing it for fun. Yeah, you would you would assume that. But he is like, no, what is your plans? And Loki's like, well, I want to be the king of Midgard. Okay, so okay. I'll be the king Earth. of Earth. All right, and then I want to take over Asgard. And then I want the Nine Realms. And then I want, like, and he's just like, well, Why? And he kind of says this very cool thing, Loki does. And he is saying, it is my responsibility to guide the people because freedom is overrated. 
and I'm the person that will be able to set everything straight. And yeah. I am, and it's just this very, very cool s- speech he does. Oh, yeah. It's very, it's very you know, early MCU Loki. Yeah, which it was perfectly written and just how Hiddleston delivers it, too. You kind of have an idea, okay, maybe this is the whole master plan because he's looking for Midgard. He's looking for Asgard. He's looking for just however he can extend his... His role. Well, yeah, and it's one of those things that Marvel's been doing, you know, with these these shows where I don't want to necessarily call it a retcon, but I'll, I'll call it an expansion where they're taking things that had happened in prior films, just simple things, little things are like, and then just expanding upon them. Because we all remember Avengers 1, Loki has that speech in front of the crowds, and I believe it was Germany yep. or wherever it was, and he has the whole speech of like, oh, about humans and being ruled in this. And it's like, all right, that sounds like megalomania speech. What the heck is going on? And here they take that and go, hey. Here's the reasons. Yes. And then Mobius responds back and says, no, you've just always been a failure. (laughs) You've always been a dick. Yeah. And Loki is like, what are you talking about? Then he replays the Phil Coulson scene. Yeah. Talk about a low blow there, Marvel. Man, I'm going to say this right now. If you do not put him in the MCU officially, officially. I thought they were going to mention he's still alive. Just as just, Same here. Just as like a, twi- like a twist in the a twist the knife in the gut moment for Loki. Like, oh, yeah, you killed Phil Coulson. By the way, he's still alive. Yeah. I was like, oh, are they going to mention? Damn it, they didn't. No, they kept that one off the table for now. But I'm like, if you do not mention that at some point. I, this needs to get fixed. Like Maybe. We had better see a Clark Gehrig appearance right now because I'm just saying I will be fuming if we don't. And then he just keeps on going through what he's done through his life. Mm-hmm. And like I say, it's this weird this is your life moments. Oh, my God, the, the D.B. Cooper moment. Break it down oh for us. Oh, my God. So if you're not familiar with that story, I won't go into it because we'll be here all day. Yeah. Suffice it to say, there was a, a flight in the United States, leaving from, I forget where it was, on the West Coast, going mm-hmm. someplace. I think it was like going from California to Oregon. Yeah. Or maybe in the other direction. I, you look it up. Uh, but they get into the flight, and this gentleman sitting on the flight orders a, uh, what was it? A, a co- it's whatever Loki ordered in the, like they got this stupidly accurate to how it happened in there's, real life. Yeah, there's been so many documentaries lately, like they oh, nailed yeah. it on point. Yeah, so whatever. D.B. Cooper ordered on the plane is what Loki orders. She br- it, it happens just as it happened in real life. Orders the drink, brings it to him, talks to the, the flight attendant, you know, and, and said, hands her the note and goes, oh, thanks. He goes, no, you really ought to read the note because I have a bomb, which is how it happened in real life. Mm-hmm. So the, the bit they cut out, though, is where the, the plane lands. He then tells the government to, hey, I want this. I forget how it was like two hundred thousand dollars. It was it was something. a it was a ridiculous amount of money. I want that much for that money. time period. Yeah, for that time period, I want a parachute, and I want you to fly from here to I believe it was Mexico City, and halfway and and don't stop until don't you know don't do anything until you land because otherwise I'm going to detonate the bomb. Mm-hmm. And the one thing he wanted to know is he's like, show me how to work the rear hatch. There was a rear hatch on the plane or something that like he could jump out of that wasn't the door to the cabin. So he learned how to do that, and then he jumped out of the plane. And now he D.B. Cooper has never been found to this day. Right. They found out because the thing the government was smart and the FBI was smart to do, they wrote down all of the serial numbers on the bills so that should one of them pop up, and, and they gave them to banks and organizations and all this stuff, like, hey, keep an eye out for these, so that if any of them ever popped up, they could try and find him. Mm-hmm. Dollars have popped up over the years, but they've never found him. Right. So the fact that they made Loki D.B. Cooper was incredible. It was fantastic. Like It was such a cool play 
to do, and then to hear the explanation that it was a drunken bet between him and Thor. Yeah, which is on par. Yes, which is fantastic. I, I, I marked out for that moment. I just like, this is so, so cool. But then Loki is shown by Mobius his future and involving how he's yeah. responsible for his mom's death. Oh. That one was... Yo. I will say that it was a great scene, but a very yeah. emotional one. Yeah. Because now Loki has realized like his actions. like Outside looking in, it was yeah. just really interesting to see how Hiddleston p- portrayed this, and he nailed it on point. Well, and Hiddleston's done a great job of getting into that 2012 Phase 1 Loki mindset mm-hmm. where he's, he's a let's face it, he's a dick. Yeah. He's an asshole. But he did such a good job of flipping the switch and, oh, my God, my actions have had consequences and they're super dire that I never would have thought. Yes. So as he's absorbing this memory that he's responsible for his mother's death and, and Mobius is just completely drilling this point home, he's like, your whole goal in life is you're born to cause pain, death, and suffering so others can achieve their best selves. And he keeps showing the Avengers uh-huh. and that scene where everybody's just standing over him after he's been defeated. It was just like, Loki is not handling this well. No. But as it progresses, he does wind up being able to escape and, and get in a little upper hand. So he's now running through the TVA. Yep. Like he gets this, uh, Mobius gets distracted, and Loki is now running free. Yep. So he's going through the office, and he goes back into the first uh, interrogation spot. Yep. And he runs into the uh, clerk, Casey, and he's asking for the Tesseract back. And he's saying, he's like, if you don't help me, I will gut you like a fish. And What's he's like, a fish? What's a fish? And Loki's like, how, how do you not know what a fish is? And he's just like, I have never left here. This is my my. I was born here. I'm gonna die here. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I've never been anywhere else. What are you talking about? So he does wind up getting the tesseract back, and as he's trying to use it, mm-hmm. it's not working. It's not working. Yeah, it's such a weird scenario to see, but it just goes to show about how powerful the TVA is, and the fact that they have a drawer full of uh, Infinity Stones. Yes, just lying around. What the shit? And we're not talking one of each. There's a couple time stones in there. There's a couple uh, mind stones in there, the the purple ones in there. What the shit? It was the most powerful junk drawer you've ever seen in your life. And they're using them so casually that the one bumbling mid-management guy goes, oh, yeah, guys use those as paperweights. Yeah. What? It's absolutely crazy. So as Loki is doing this and then he winds up, Going back to his theater, mm-hmm. he does go and play the end of the tape. So he does see when Odin dies and how he's there, yeah. and he sees the last standoff at Ragnarok. Yeah. And then he even sees his own death by Thanos. He realizes, like, oh, my God, this is how it ends. And yeah. it's just this weird sobering effect on him. Like, everything he's done, he's failed. Yeah, it's one of those you know moments where you know people get asked – you know, various points in their life. Oh, would you like to know when you die? Mm-hmm. And everyone's got their own answer, but this is kind of a flip on that. It's you don't know when you die, but you know how. Yes. So now he has this knowledge. And after he does another fight scene where he does get rid of his collar that's been dampering his magic. Yeah. He starts playing around with the toys and he starts messing with the one agent. Oh, my God. I'm surprised she didn't throw up as many times as he was, you know, resetting her back in place. Yes. It was absolutely wild to see. Mobius winds up coming in, and then Loki basically breaks down and says, you know, my whole act of being somebody that enjoys killing, because this is what Mobius is thinking. He goes, it's just an act. Mm -hmm. This is all an act to inspire fear. This is not who I really am. And then he's offered a deal because at this point he knows he's lost. Right. Mobius gives him the ultimate deal, and he says, well, if you help us, we'll see what we can possibly do. 
And he says, we need to hunt down a killer because we've uh-huh. had at least six attacks on our Minutemen yep. throughout time. And you would be a perfect candidate to help stop us. And as Loki goes, all right, if I'm not going to go any further, I might as well ride this out. He does say, okay, well, how do I help you? And he says, well, it's simple. The killer is you. Yep. And then we flash forward to 1858 Oklahoma. So after that mind, mic drop moment, mind is blown, we do wind up seeing some of the TVA soldiers going into this field. And then they just see a cloaked figure holding up a lantern a la Bray Wyatt style. Yeah. And as they're willing to approach, they wind up triggering off a death trap because a light goes on the ground. Everything lights up on fire. Mm-hmm. They can't escape in time. And you just see the shadowy figure standing over him. And as he's grabbing the timepiece, that we assume it's a he. Yeah. Because I have my own theories. Okay. So, Pat, I'll go into them as soon as we're done, but just final thoughts on the episode? Uh, incredible episode. A lot of fun. Can't like I know the review embargo got lifted a couple days ago uh, before the weekend, and I know people were talking about it and raving about, you know, without they weren't going into spoilers, but they were raving about some of the episodes that are coming, so I can't wait to see them. I was completely impressed with this. It had such a weird, I don't want to say Twin Peaks vibe, because I, I think that's too strong. Sure. But it had such a unique feel to it like you touched on very 70s very retro but futuristic and i thought how they played it was very very well like i was completely surprised at how well this came off yeah because we really didn't know what to expect coming from this like we knew tom hilson has played an amazing job being loki since day one this is where he's really ascended at and he's really made that character into his own entity which like i say it's absolutely cool to see him bring to the screen yeah to see how Owen Wilson portrayed Mobius was a very, very cool thing to see because this is a brand-new character that we're not really super familiar with, but he wind up pulling it off brilliantly and is a great foil to what we're seeing out of Loki because this is what we ultimately need to see. The rest of the cast, Ravona and Hunter B-15, who has been the agent who is on the mission yeah. to absolutely destroy Loki and anybody that stops in the way. Wumi Muska mm-hmm. is playing Hunter. She did an amazing job with it. Yeah, Comple- she did. Completely big fan of hers. And she was just a complete badass going right through everybody. Even the fight scene she had with Loki was on point, too. Yeah. So to see how everybody's mixing together and now we have a big mystery going on, I think it's a great play. What I'm very curious about is we're talking multiverse now. Mm-hmm. So is it possible we're going to see this shadowy figure, Lady Loki. Hmm, could be. Because I don't think we're going to see Hiddleston versus Hiddleston. No, because that would be too easy. You know, and let's face it, this is a person who can jump through time. So obviously it's not your average Mm run-of-the-mill villain. They've got access to abilities. Someone with magic, you know, and as Guardian or someone of that caliber would make a lot of sense. And it would only make sense that they would disguise themselves to look as Loki because, let's face it, it makes sense. Yeah. And plus, we've also seen iterations of Loki throughout the years where he's been a teenager, he's been a child, he's been a woman, he's been a man. He's gone through a lot of alliterations that when we're talking multiverse, we really got to keep that idea open. It's not going to just be Hiddleston versus Hiddleston. Even though I'd be all right with that, I think they're going to switch it up and we're going to have a mysterious character playing the evil Loki, which I think just adds so much of a dynamic to the show. Because when we start dealing with time travel, it always gets messy, no matter what you do. 
We've seen this with Doctor Who. We've oh, seen yeah. this with Legends of Tomorrow. It's just Flash. Yeah, it's just always something going on. So now that we're seeing this kind of little twist that Loki is hunting Loki, we're really going to get into a very cool mystery slash heist show. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know that Loki has not exactly redeemed himself. No. He's still Loki. He's yeah. still the god yeah. of mischief. He's Cause, trying because this Loki's 2012 Loki. This ain't Thor Ragnarok Loki. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely going to be flipping it around, and he's going to be trying to work everybody because his end game. Yeah, he knows that as soon as this mission is done, he's dead. He's dead. So to see how he can pull this off and survive, that's going to be the underlying theme of this show. Yeah, because he's not going to go away quietly. He might have his little bit of redemption, but yeah. at the end of the day, he's still the god of mischief. Oh, absolutely. And we are still here for it. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. Let's keep it spoiler-free till Friday, though. We want to make sure that we give everybody the chance to watch because we don't want to ruin this for anybody. But you can definitely leave your spoiler-free reactions. We'll definitely interact with that. And then when Friday hits, we'll definitely get into it because, Pad, I know you were talking. You could just caught something as we're watching a replay. Yeah, so I I caught something on Twitter. I believe we saw a certain former Agent Carter in the background of one of the scenes. Uh, If you think about it and what the TVA involves, would make sense. I'm definitely here for that. If they bring Peggy Carter back for it, it's going to be amazing. And definitely have to do a quick uh, apology. It's Wunmi... Masaku, who is playing Hunter B-15. So I want to clarify that. Cast is looking on point right now. Everybody's really bringing it, so this is a strong start to Loki. Hit us up with those spoiler-free hashtags until Friday, and then we're going to deep dive into it on the weekend. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, all. I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom. From movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And man... Superman and Lois on the CW. Uh-huh. Mic drop moment of the week. Uh, just a little bit. Yes, I will say it's even bigger than the Loki one. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I, will, I will have to say because when this hit, I think everybody that we talked to on social media, on Twitter at OD Parlay Hour, lost their collective minds. Yeah. And I know with the reveal that happens with Loki, and like I said, if you didn't hear last segment, I'm not going to ruin it for you. This one still had more of an impact. And this show has been clicking on all cylinders. It's been a breath of fresh air for Superman fans, CW fans, DC Comic fans, because they have modernized the mythos of Superman enough that it's still connecting, still hitting home runs. And this episode did not falter at all. We are going to be talking about episode nine entitled Loyal Subjects. And you know the deal by now. We do talk spoilers. So if you haven't seen the episode just yet, pause it right here. We'll jump back in when you're ready because we are going to start deep diving into it in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? I thought this was a really great episode. I mean, it had sure it had some uh, a, a few weak points, but overall it was still an incredible episode. I thought it was a solid episode. I thought the ending made it yeah, because it started off, I don't want to say lackluster, but I wasn't blown away by it. I mean, it started off as about as typical as you would expect given what was happening 
the episode prior. Yes, because we know the underlying theme this season is Morgan Edge has taken this vested interest into Smallville. For reasons. For reasons that we finally have uh, an idea per se of what's going on. Adam Rayner, who's been playing Morgan Edge, has really been delivering on it. And this is where he's now trying to manipulate the town into falling into his master plan. And I'd say thus far it's worked pretty well. It's worked very well because he's playing on a lot of insecurities. Yeah. And as he's going for it, it's ultimately coming down to between the battle between him and Lois Lane, played by Elizabeth Tulloch. And he's definitely trying to silence her from spreading the news out that what his basic goal is, he's making super soldiers. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely playing on some fears and some issues and some misgivings the town has and the townsfolk have. But I can't help but wonder, you know, how much of an Emperor Palpatine he's given with this whole thing. Because if you think when when Palpatine was, you know, planning his takeover, you know, before, you know, the Sith officially ruled the galaxy, that he was playing both sides. He was the he was in charge of the bat, the Confederacy. The, you know, and then he was also in charge of the Republic. So it's like, you know, same person in charge of both. I can't help but wonder if half of Smallville's issues that we saw once Clark came back to Smallville were because of Morgan Edge. Possibly. I mean, I think we're going to find out the longer we go on with the show. But for right now, he's definitely lining everybody up into their positions. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, you have Superman trying to be dealing with the effects that he now has one super son in Jordan, yep. who is still coming into his own with his powers. Alex Gerfin is still try- is demonstrating a great learning his way, coming of age with superpowers. Mm-hmm. And we do know the ramifications that he's been infected by the Kryptonian gas yeah. that was used last episode. Yeah, apparently they were listening to the show because one of the, I know one of the things we said was, hey, why wasn't it affecting them? Hey, next episode, it's affecting them. Yes. So thank you, writers. Give us a shout out on Twitter. We appreciate that. So as we know that Jordan is now sick with the Kryptonian gas that was being experimented on because he's inhaled it from being around his father, and Clark takes him immediately to the Fortress of Solitude so the AI there can help him. And and isn't this after Clark runs off to Mexico? Yes. He runs off to Mexico because he hears a bank robbery, and he goes to stop it, and he's doing his thing, shoulder tackling one robber, taking bullets off another one. And then the bullets start affecting him, and he drops to the ground, and he gets bruised off of this. Yeah, it's a weird scene because at first you don't really know what's going on. Yeah, because you don't, and you don't see what they're hitting with. I mean, obviously they're holding guns and they're firing, so you presume well they're hitting, they're shooting with bullets. Okay, they're bouncing off. But then he starts dropping. It's like, oh, did one of them switch to kryptonite bullets? Yeah, that was the first instinct I had too because it was just such a random moment. And another one that kind of threw me off, I did not realize he could hear that far to Mexico from being in Kansas. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah, it just it never has sunk in about that because that like, was one of the that's one of the things they've always established in the comics is that like he can hear pretty much damn near anything. It's just he has to focus in on it. Yeah, it's just something I just it took me a second to realize like man he can really hear that far away. Yeah, he can hear that far away. I, I would imagine it's a it's a situation where he's trained himself to hear certain phrases or sounds that it just sets off an alarm and it's like oh gotta go that way. Yeah, because once he goes to fight off the robbers that are going on there. He is getting. He comes back bruised and is definitely showing. Like when he takes the shirt off, he is just bruised on all his stomach and torso. And, and even Lois is like, "What the hell?" Yeah, nobody has an idea what's going on. So meanwhile, at the same point, Jordan is now sick, so they immediately call Lois's dad. Yeah, General Lane, grandfather of the year. Yep, Dylan Walsh, who plays General Samuel Lane, has to come in and explain that 
I really don't know what's going on down in our area. They're making stuff. It's all experimental. That's not the phrase you want to hear out of, A, your father and slash father-in-law, but B, a military official. Yes. Like, like if something's going on and it's been outed, you don't want to ha- hear the person in charge because let's remember, the man's a four-star general. It don't get no higher. Well, it does, but it has to be a time of war. Uh, but he's a four-star general. You don't want to hear a four-star general go, yeah, I don't know what's going on down there. Well, I think he's really not trusting Clark enough. Like I just every time he talks, I take it with a grain of salt. Oh, so you hear the you see the bullshit coming out of his mouth. Yeah, because how do you not know what's going on? And at the end of the day, I still fully believe. I don't care what he says. He still sees Clark as a threat. Yeah, I will say if you're buying the bullshit coming out of his mouth, well, I got an ocean to sell you. Exactly. So it's a wild moment that he's seeing. And to see the reaction, because Lois is going completely crazy because Jordan, so, yeah, yeah. Jordan's dying. Yeah. That he is now rushed away to the Fortress of Solitude. They have a one-off, and just how Sam cannot explain this. Yeah, no. yeah, Jordan's dying, and then also the protector, the the proverbial shield, and her husband, Clark, is now slightly vulnerable. Yes. So they wind up flying off, and then Sam is trying to have a talk with Jordan, with Jonathan about this. And I keep on saying Jonathan might be my MVP of the show. Yeah, and I think the other reason Lois is nervous is because there was an article we see, uh, I think it was Morgan Edge's assistant shows him, but presumably Lois knows about this too. There was an article written about uh, Superman's issues down in Mexico with not being as invulnerable. Yes, so once rumor leaks out, Morgan Edge decides to take the time to strike. And this is definitely a strong moment in the episode because he winds up activating his sleeper agents. Yep. Or as the subjects as they're called. Which is kind of a weird thing, but it is what it is. Given what we know is coming with that whole plotline, it makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So, I mean, I didn't really rush into it too much. But this winds up, you see, a parent of one of the children at the talent show leave mysteriously. And I know the underlying uh, storyline there was Sarah was relying on Jordan to play the piano for her song. And then her dad has to come in and save the day, which we finally get to see a little more Kyle Cushing this episode. Yeah. Eric Valdez has been playing him, and he's definitely teetering on that line where you want to hate him, but you can't. You see the flaws in his character. I think he's doing a really good job with that. And he winds up being the guy to save the day. And then Sarah is just not hearing about anything that's going on with Jordan and Jonathan because she's let down. She's angry. She's playing, obviously, just a lot of emotions, which you get because she was relying on Jordan to carry through. I mean, Indy never has been doing a great job about being Sarah Cushing and just being teetering on the angst side, but yet trying to be the good friend too. So it's a great play. Like I say, I wasn't mad about it. Usually I kind of get a little critical, like how much teen drama they put in. But this made sense. That wasn't too over the top. Because as you see, the overall sense is when Morgan Edge activates the sleeper subjects, they immediately know Superman is hurt, he's not there, and they start attacking the farm. Which turns into a wild scenario. Yeah. Because as Jonathan's talking to his mom, I thought it was kind of odd. Like, don't you think it's a little weird that late at night people are knocking at the door to come over and and talk? I don't know. It's just me. But as he winds up opening the door, he does see one of the parents come through. And they're obviously looking for Lois, who is on the phone with Lana trying to explain everything going on. Emmanuel Kariki has been playing absolutely great in this role, too. And she is just saying about how they've been doing the investigation and how Morgan Edge has basically been manipulating everybody and how she was given the offer, too, about becoming something more, as they define it. Which I think was kind of an interesting way about how they want to portray Mm -hmm. this. The Morgan Edge is just relying on the fears of the Smallville community that he can promise better. 
It almost had a Maxwell Lord vibe to it from Wonder Woman eighty four. I know I shouldn't. Right. I know I shouldn't mention that movie out loud, but we are. But it almost had that kind of vibe to it. So as Lana's on the phone with Lois, they wind up getting tipped off that okay something's going on that obviously the one parent has left the talent show and this was an immediate red flag for lois because once the, that parent shows up at the door she knows she's in trouble the heat vision kicks on and we now have half the house blown away because the superhuman so- subjects are now trying to kill lois lane pad this was just absolutely over the top yeah just a bit yeah which I completely love. Jonathan Kent, like I said, I cannot stress enough how much of an MVP of the show he is. Jordan Elsass immediately is saying, well, we got to run. I know where weapons are hidden, <laughs> which I was like. Lois ain't asking questions. She's just like, okay. Yeah, Lois is like, nope, you got him. Okay, good. Let's get it on. And then he winds up being the one to defend because he's firing off at the subjects, which are trying to come there. Because once did they realize about the master plan of what's going on when Superman finally comes in to make the save yep. and everything is basically remedied away because once the agents fail, they take off. Yep. They now start piecing it together. What is happening? And I'm not going to lie. I hate Lois's husband so much that when Clark flew into the barn and took him out the other side, I was really hoping he'd take him into low orbit. Yeah. It was I'm not going to lie. Like no disrespect to the actor. But just his portrayal is so good that I hate the shit out of her husband. Yeah, because I com- actually I completely forgot that that Kyle actually revealed himself to be one of the test subjects. Yeah, that we finally get that, which I've been kind of alluding to. I thought I saw you might be Zod, but it was just there was a lot of moving parts going on with this because when the subjects invaded, yeah, I don't want to say it felt like a Walking Dead invasion, but you know how when the characters are running through, it's yeah. like there's always somebody there. I'll say it definitely the show definitely kicked into a high gear. Yeah, because once they're fighting off, and General Laney is even coming in to make the save too, because he does fight off the two first subjects. Yeah, he hits them with like a, a kryptonite grenade launcher or like smoke canister or something. Like he shoots something, a projectile goes out, and it hits him, and kryptonite comes out. Yeah, it's just a wild scenario, but he's trying to do the redemption arc of like. And mind you, he's carrying that the entire time while he's with Clark and the family. Yeah, which nobody is touching upon to. No, well, no, they, they kind of do later. Well, they do later. They but don't. They don't say it, but they kind of allude to it. Yeah, and he's just saying, listen. At the end of the day, he's trying to save the world. So as all these people are coming in the house, and then Superman has to come and make the save because Kyle is sitting there, and he immediately grabs Lois and Jonathan. Yeah. And he was saying, like, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help. I'm here to help. And I was like, well, I was just going to kill Lois, but since you're here anyway. Yep. And then Superman winds up taking care of him. It's just a wild scenario that plays out that now Morgan Edge has revealed his hand. And they start piecing it together that why is he in Smallville? Yeah. And why is he there, Pat? Uh, he's there uh, because it, when he's been, t- obviously he's been testing ex-Kryptonite on people. Mm-hmm. And folks not from Smallville don't react to it very well. But folks who've been living in Smallville their entire lives or most of their lives have adapted to it. They've grown used to it. Uh, And the one thing I didn't even know, uh, they figure out why he's so interested in in Smallville is because the greatest concentration of kryptonite is in Smallville. Because as Clark said, kryptonite and meteors were falling all all over Earth for like, what what did he say, like a day? Yeah, he said for his day, it was a big meteor shower. For an entire day, there was a meteor shower going on all over the Earth, and the highest concentration of kryptonite is in Smallville. So ergo, the people who have been living there are used to and accustomed to the effects of the kryptonite, so they take better to it. Yes. It's actually a very brilliant play that they did. Oh, yeah, no, it, it works out. Like, if you think about it, I'm like, yeah, I can't see any holes in this. Yeah, no, writing on this show has been on point, too. Like I say, I cannot stress that enough. Like, they've really nailed 
a great Superman plot. And as we see, now we have the big reveal. So Clark is getting ready because now he knows, obviously, Kyle is now one of these subjects. Mm-hmm. So that's going to bring in some drama with him and Lana. Yeah. And then, obviously, what's going on with the rest of the town because this has been the prophecy that John Henry Irons was talking about. Yeah, and, and Lana knows something is up because we do see a quick scene before the end of the show where he goes back home, the daughter's in the kitchen, and Lana wants to have it out with him, and she tells the daughter to leave, and they're like, what are you, drunk? What are you drunk? And he and he he kind of alludes to it, but he doesn't fully say it. Yeah, he knows that his, he's going to get exposed, and it's just a matter of how he wants to present that to the his family. Yeah, which is going to be another great moment on the show too, because I don't know how this is going to play out. The, with those two, with those two, drop the papers now. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just been teetering on that point that it's ready to explode, and we're going to have that. But the mic drop moment of this entire episode mm-hmm. is after Lois and Clark wind up saving the, t- the house, and they're regrouping. Jordan was uh, burned out of all the kryptonite that was in his lungs, which I know we didn't touch upon because it was just kind of a quick scene, which I didn't realize the Fortress could do all this. No, neither did I. But it's a weird scenario that they do, so now he's obviously getting more immune to what's going on with the kryptonite effect on him. So he's now saved. He comes back, the reconnection with Jonathan. They're all talking about what's going on. He gets called out by Morgan Edge. And as Clark is going to fly towards him, mm-hmm. this is where things got interesting because yeah. Morgan Edge winds up dodging the initial blow coming from Superman. Yeah, and it throws him for a loop. Yeah. And as Morgan is sitting there going, Kal-El, there has been a plan this entire time. Mm-hmm. And you are now going to find out what is going on, brother. And we, yeah, he arrived at the he arrived on Earth at the same time as his brother. Yeah. So, Superman has a brother. Uh huh. I was completely blown away by this moment. Yeah. No. I I think anyone watching the show was, including myself, because I literally had a spit take. I was taking a drink of water, uh, and as soon as he said that, I spit it out across the room. Yeah. I literally was like, wait, wait. You're gonna say he's Superman's brother? Uh huh. And even for the clip they showed for next week, he still refers to himself as brother. Uh-huh. So you can't say that this is not some kind of game-changing moment because, to my knowledge, Superman's never had a brother in the comics we've known about. Not an official one. I did some digging. There's been instances of like alternate timelines and other, other universes where... Technically, in the family sense, he is a brother. Like, it's, you know, if you look at the family tree, he's on the same line. But it's not an actual brother because, well, separate universe. And then there's also been, the, there was also the instance when mon first showed up in the comics and mm. he was confused and he thought, you know, they thought of, thought he was a brother. But then, find, come to find out, he's not. But Clark still treated him as such. And I know in the comics recently, they changed Connor Kent where, the, and I don't mean anything officially, but like, Clark now views Connor as a brother because he's like, well, you know, same DNA. You were raised by the same parent. You know, you were raised by the same parents. You're you're my brother, kind of. So like, not an official. He's so ne- he's never had an official brother, but there's been instances of like alternate timelines, alternate universes where. Technically, yes, but officially, no. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit of an interesting area because we haven't seen this, but I would not mind seeing this happen. No. Because originally, I thought somebody was going to be the General Zod. Well, that, yeah, that's what I thought, too. Yeah, because he comes out wearing a Kryptonian garb, too. Yeah, and that's I'm like, and I'm like oh, about. yeah, he, he comes out with a Kryptonian garb and he's got the shield on his chest or whatever. And I'm like, oh, 
He's odd. Okay. Yeah. It's a wild moment because you're just sitting there going, wait. Yeah. This entire time, this guy who has been a Lex Luthor ripoff is now a true Kryptonian? Uh, listen, he ain't a Lex Luthor ripoff. He, has, he hasn't screwed up enough. Well, that's true. He's been teetering, though, a little bit. Yeah. But, he, but this is where the big moment is that Clark now knows that there's another Kryptonian that's leading the charge and what the end game is going to be about him. Time to call uh, John. Yeah, it's going to be anybody's guess. But this is where you're going to see the Superman team-up, per se, happen. Yeah. Now, where we're going to go from here, anybody's guess, but you have to figure out that when they only have five more episodes, I believe? Two. Uh, no, yeah, you're right. No, yeah, you're right. Uh, five, because uh, 15 uh, is, uh, sorry, the list I'm looking at on Wikipedia only has 10 and 11 listed. But no, yeah, five episodes left. Yeah, because I thought the first season was 15, and they 15, went, they yeah, went full right. order for the second season. Yeah, you're right, so, yeah, you're right. So that being said, they still have a little ways to go to the big battle. I can already tell you what's going to get mentioned next week. The episode is titled, Oh Mother, Where Art Thou? A certain name's going to get mentioned. Oh, God. And somebody's going to ask, why did you say that name? Oh, no. Martha! Um, oh, no. I am not looking forward to that moment, because I'll just sit there and start groaning. Uh, this is the easy word that unites everybody in the DCU. Yeah, and, I'm, and, and just going off speculation, because the 11th episode is titled, A Brief Reminiscence in Between Cataclysmic Events. I'm thinking that might explain a little bit of the shenanigans and what's been going on and how there's more than just him who survived Krypton. Well, I think it'd be an interesting play because we haven't really seen too much of that. No. I mean, so, it's, it's one of those instances that, you know, much like Marvel did with Tom Holland and Spider-Man, you know the, you know the mythos. You know the backstory. We don't have to get into this super in-depth. They hinted on it. They touched on it. But they didn't do a full-fledged episode devoted to how he got to Earth. Yeah. Which, I mean, they don't need to because, like, no, they like you touched upon, no. they, it just it wouldn't really make a lot of sense. But just the creative ways they're introducing characters and flipping mythos, I'm interested to see how they pull this off. Because if you can somehow spin this in that you're teetering on that Kryptonians survived and multiple, that's a whole game changer. And just everything they've done so far, they've hit on all cylinders. That's the big takeaway from this, that we had... A beginning of the episode, it just it looked like a very solid show. It wasn't game changing. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't anything like whoa. But once we get to that end reveal, damn, yeah, that's when the mic drop moment hits, and you're like, wait a sec, we're now gonna flip something else on its ear. And this is one thing this show has done exquisitely is they have taken those mythos that we know and done a 180, and they haven't felt forced. But they've been so creative in it. I mean, kudos to the writing staff on this. I can't. I cannot stress that enough. But now, where we're going from here, man, sign me up. I uh-huh. cannot wait. Final thoughts on the episode, Pad? Uh, incredible episode. Cannot wait to see where they go with it from here. I am definitely excited to see where we go. I have no real predictions for next week, but except when they probably say Martha, uh, I might hear Martha. a, a, a groan on uh, social media. But either way. This show has been clicking. This show is a must-watch. If you have not seen it yet, get on it because this is something that if you've not been super into Superman, no pun intended, this will get you back in. And Tyler Hoechlin is making a run for being the Superman. I'm sorry. He's just that good in the role. But definitely let us know what you think. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the latest Superman and Lois episode, episode 9, titled Loyal Subjects? We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome to The Jury Room, a true crime podcast 
My name is Kevin, and I will be your host on this journey. We will be covering some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever be committed against humanity. We will be covering cannibalistic serial killers, decades-old unsolved mysteries, cold cases, missing person cases, and everything in between. The Jury Room Podcast is available on most major podcasting platforms. Please make sure you go subscribe and leave a review. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and it is time to talk Fear the Walking Dead, the show that everybody really needs to give a chance to because light years ahead of the flagship show, I don't care about worlds of worlds apart, worlds beyond, whatever it's called. I don't even care. See, that is how fired up I am about this show. That I'm just not even caring about the other shows. Mm. Because this show has been standing out. It's been solid writing all season. Big moments every episode. And this one did not let down because it's one episode left until the season finale. Okay. So I'm going to start deep diving into episode 15 entitled USS Pennsylvania. I'm going to be talking spoilers, so if you don't want to get spoiled, I'm giving fair warning now. But I hope you do want to get spoiled because this will inspire you to go watch this show because, man, you don't know what you're missing if you haven't watched it. So let me start breaking it down in three, two, one. Pad's favorite serial killer has been doing a lights-out job. Mm-hmm. And who is that, Pad? Uh, one John Glover. Yes. So he has finally achieved his goal. He is on the USS Pennsylvania, which has nuclear weapons. Of course it does. Because he wants to blow up the entire world and kill everybody. And he has the capabilities, apparently, to do it. He has his right-hand man, Riley, played by Nick Stahl, who we know from Terminator fame, as they are finally on the ship and ready to set it off. And they have Dakota on there, too, who has just been a serial killer in her own right. And it is absolutely wild to see the portrayal of Zoe Coletti, that she's been just crushing it on here. And just how the bonding situation is going on. And you're seeing that Teddy is explaining why he has Alicia trapped in the house. And how she's going to lead the next generation. And he is just saying that Riley here was the weapons officer on the sub. So that's how we know about everything. And since they're prepping for the next Armageddon, so to speak. They also know that they have to deal with Morgan's group. Right. Because Alicia did get off the message about what the plan was. So Lenny James, which I have to applaud each and every time on the show, he absolutely has made this show must-watch TV. His portrayal of Morgan James, Morgan Jones rather, has been nothing short of fantastic. And him coming over the Fear of the Walking Dead has been the shot in the arm that they have desperately needed. And as we see, while Teddy is giving his monologue to Dakota, and they're having like a heart-to-heart about like where everybody's going to get sacrificed and killed because, yeah. you know, the end justifies the beginning. It is just this battle going back and forth that Morgan is getting ready, and he knows that this is going to be the final battle for him. Like, he just has that sense about him as he's leading the troops to the submarine, and they wind up going in to investigate. And as they're going down, you see that Morgan gets attacked by a zombie. So first thing down the chute of the submarine, and we have to stress it is above ground, it is washed ashore, so they're not fighting on water because, you know, that would just be kind of crazy, that we see that Morgan is attacked by a zombie. And I can't tell right here if he is scratched because we do know in the zombie world, mm-hmm. how do you become a zombie? Uh, you get bit. Or you get scratched. Or scratched. So he does fight him off, 
And during this point, too, he's also having this weird goodbye with Grace. And I don't understand why is going on here. I mean, obviously, Grace, who's played by Karen David, they do have the emotional connection. And Morgan is just basically saying, like, you need to take over when I don't make it back. And he is almost like on a suicide mission. Right. During this point, too, June, played by Jenna Elfman, wants to take a look at him for his attacks. And he's saying, no, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. Get away from me. You're not going to check me out. Which I like. I, I can't stress enough. Like He is just acting so weird about this, but he's still convinced he's got to go on this mission. So as he's going down the hallway, they do know that they're checking for radiation levels because obviously when you got nuclear weapons on board, stuff is going to be leaking out. Mm-hmm. So they still are progressing forward, even though there is one area that you can definitely tell is being just overrid with radiation but at this point it's the end of the world or nothing so morgan is still pressing on forward and he does wind up leaving the group in a safe spot to go ahead however he is confronted by one strand and like i say the background that these two have you can definitely tell the tension is there they play off each other so well coleman domingo who plays strand obviously has been a standout character on the show and you do see the tension is building between them because once they have this talk with Teddy too over the intercom system, which is this very cool back and forth because it's setting up for the final battle. And Teddy knows that Morgan is there. He does not realize that there is an old friend of his that has returned that wants to have a word with him. Oh. And that's John Dory Sr., played by Keith Carradine. Oh, okay. Who basically says, do you recognize my voice? And he's like, no. I'm the one who put you in jail all those years ago. Yeah. And he's and you see this Teddy's eyes light right up. Like John Glover plays this so well. And he's so creepy in this role too. Like he just is fantastic. And he's like, Well, I guess I should say thank you because you're the reason I'm doing this. You're responsible. And it's just like this all back and forth, and they're just getting more fired up and more committed to go. Because on the sub, you have Team Morgan, who has Dwight and Sherry, John, Strand, and Grace. And they're trying to press forward. And they keep running into zombies all over there. Because I believe at one point they said there was a ship count of 150 sailors on there. Interesting. So, obviously, they've all been killed because they're in the zombie land. say apocalypse. Yes. And you do see as they're going through, like, where the bunks are on this, the yeah. ship. Yeah. You're seeing, like, where they basically have killed themselves. Oh, that's awesome. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's so well done in the horror aspect. Like, you just, yeah. you get the sense of, like, okay, some shit has gone down here. Yeah. And, like, I am not ready for what's coming. because Stranded in the middle of the ocean, running, running out of food, uh, sense of doom and, and uncertainty. Yeah, no, that, that tracks. Yeah, it's absolutely well done how they do, because as they're pressing forward, like I said, Morgan is on his own mission, and Strand is the only one catching him. And after they're being confronted, this is where stuff really gets crazy, because mm-hmm. Morgan is not letting or Strand is, I'm sorry, is not letting Morgan walk away. And there is this powerful scene between them that Morgan is breaking down. And like I said, he's already had two attempts where I can't tell if he's been scratched or bit. Sure. And he is just saying that the responsibility left on him is really weighing on him. And he is saying that if it's going to fall on me, I'm the one to build in the community is on my shoulders to deal with this. And Strand (laughs) responds in only a way that I have seen just completely going off the rails here. Strand cannot handle that this is going on. And he more or less says at one point uh, that Alicia wants him to continue this mission. He's going to do this. 
no matter what you want because the only reason Alicia told you about this is because she thinks you'll do things I won't. Mm. During this moment, they get into a fight pad. Yeah. Now, they're isolated. Sure. They, Strand winds up breaking Morgan's staff that he's carrying around because he has his big axe. Yeah. He breaks him off, takes the blade, and throws him literally into a pile of zombies. Of course he does. That are attacking him, including the one that got a Bray, Walk, Bray Wyatt-style zombie, mm. like Spider-Walk style, yeah, yeah. which was creepy as all hell. So, I mean, kudos to the CGI team again for fear. So as Morgan is fighting his way through zombies, and this is kind of like that Glenn dumpster moment. Oh, yeah. Where it's like there is no chance he's going to survive. We see that Strand is still trying to continue the mission, except she he gets caught by Dakota. And Dakota winds up getting on the speaker, too, as she's talking. Mm-hmm. And is going basically saying that Teddy's vision is what it should be. Yeah. If I stayed at your camp, I would have just been losing myself. He's allowed me to be the real me. I killed John Dory Jr., which nobody knew about. And you see the reaction from John Dory Sr. and June, and it is an emotional scene because now you're seeing Dakota really become the crazy psycho that we all thought that she mm-hmm. was going to be. And then Strand is just kind of sitting there because he knows he's stuck. He can't do anything. She winds up shooting, clips him in the shoulder. Yeah. All of a sudden, Morgan comes out of nowhere with a broken staff and takes her out. Doesn't kill her, but, like, knocks her into the wall, and then she gets knocked out. So Morgan is basically surviving to save Strand, and he's like, we're losing precious time. Right. They get to the office of the submarine. They're too late. The missiles go off. Or missile, a missile goes off. So at this point, they can't stop it. Right. And then during this, they're revealed that the missile has 10 warheads on it. Oh, Christ. Targeting different locations, and it can't be stopped. Hmm. So dealing with this, how do you think Morgan reacts? Uh, Not well. No. He does not handle this very well. He knows that he's failed and that innocent people are going to die. He just basically lets Riley and Teddy go and says, you can enjoy this apocalypse. Get out of here. And then he is blaming Strand for the failure, which he does have a right to. Right. Because if Strand's ego did not get in his way, they might have made it in time. This is one of those questions they won't be able to to figure out because this is just the pinnacle of what they've been trying to do this entire time. Morgan says, get out of here, too. That you're responsible for this. You, you're you the reason we couldn't stop them. And the final shot of this episode is Morgan's just standing at the table. He sees the keys in the ignition to fire off the missiles. And you just see the camera pan away as he's standing at the table knowing that the end is here. Mm. And he was trying to warn the team, too, before the defined shelter that there's a naval base that might help him survive. They don't know. It's now you got this flying missile that nobody knows what's going to happen. That's how it ends. Wow. I'm telling you, this show really had me on edge the entire time because they did this slow, like, horror movie walking through the dark areas. It almost looked like a video game style yeah. where you're seeing all the zombies trying to go after them and different reasons. And when you're trying to do the math in your head, there's 150 of them on the ship there. Somebody has to get them. The only thing that I will say, I hope they didn't tip their hand too much. There was so many near-death moments with Morgan that either he has to be scratched and he knows he's done 
or they're going to have to find a different way to kind of sell how, how he survived this. Because uh-huh. there was just too many moments. Like when you're thrown in there and you see the zombies pile on top of you. Now, granted, he's wearing long sleeves. So that does cover up some, but he doesn't have gloves on. His face is unprotected. Could he have gotten scratched there? Right. You would assume. But the fact that he gets out of all these situations, and during this entire episode, he is literally trying to be on a suicide mission. He's trying to keep everybody back. He's telling Grace, go get the rest of the group and get them to shelter. We've lost. Get them out of here. And he's trying to tell the rest of the team, too, because once he locks himself away, because as he's working his way through the submarine, he locks the door behind him. Strand is the only one that catches it in time and then shuts it. And then they go through their business, which is like, wrong time, guys. Yeah. This is now... Not the time nor place to be worrying about your beefs. This is where you guys needed to come together. And for whatever reason, Strand decided to go do his own thing, which is something he's done this entire show, which is something that makes him a must-watch character on here. He stands out. It's just you never know what he's doing. He's always got an ulterior motive going on, which makes for compelling television. But when you're trying to stop an apocalypse from happening, that's not the way it's going to do. No. No, but... This was definitely a great episode. I have no idea how this is going to end. I know next week's episode is titled The Beginning. Right. I am very fearful that we're going to see a lot of characters not make it back. Probably. Which, you know what, it makes sense being that you want to have that sense that any character could go at any time. You don't want to make it so predictable that you lose interest because, like, once again, I say this. We have this happen on Fear. And you see the characters getting killed off. It makes sense to this story. We're not doing this for shock value. You flip it over to Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I go back to the season premiere where they had Daryl, Carol, and everybody else in the cave surrounded by thousands of walkers, and everybody walks out unscathed. Except for two characters we don't even know about. They get buried. Explain to me that. That's my question. Either way, this show is must-watch. If you were just jumping in to check it out, I highly, 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 highly recommend checking it We do know that there are writers for the show that listen to the show, and I'm not saying this to placate it to them. I have been saying this since New York Comic Con last year. This show has definitely been the benchmark that this whole TWD universe needs to be set at. That this has been such a breath of fresh air for doing the zombie shows because they got back to the basics of why you like The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. So you need to go check it out. I know when next week the season finale comes out, I'm going to have a lot to say about it. And then I'm going to just stress, everybody, go rewatch this season. And then tell me you don't love this season. I want to know why. So that being said, I gave you my reactions to Fear the Walking Dead, episode 15, USS Pennsylvania. But I want to know yours. I want to know, ODPH Society, what have you thought about this season? Have you checked it out? Have you not? And why? Let us have that conversation, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Wednesday Pull List, your friendly neighborhood geek podcast hosted by two old friends. My name is Lex. And I'm Simon. Come check us out for all your comic book reviews, collectible news, and all your geeky nerd news that you're looking for throughout your week. Dropping new episodes every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Check us out on all our social media at Wednesday Pull. 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got for those one shots? Got one thing to talk about before I get into my comic picks of the week, uh, but it is the biggest weekend uh, in gaming. Uh, E3 Expo is taking place. Now, right on. It is taking place uh, virtually, I believe, again this year. I know a bunch of it's being live streamed. Uh, for the full list of who's when and what times, go to E3Expo.com. Uh, but these are some of the ones that are jumping out to me, and I definitely will be having my eye on. Uh, so it takes place this Saturday, June 12th, and goes through uh, Tuesday night, June 15th. Uh, so it starts at, and I'm going to be doing some rough math here, so bear with me, because they have, it takes place in uh, Los Angeles, so all the times are in Pacific time. Uh, so I'll just, you know what, I'll just read those. Uh, so it starts at 10 a.m. Pacific time, but the first one up is at 11 a.m., and it's the Ubisoft Forward pre-show, followed by the Ubisoft Forward, so that's their presentation. That'll be taking place at noon. Uh, some of the things you should be expecting from them, the pre-show, I would expect maybe the Crew 2, that's their racing game they've been working on for a couple of years, maybe something from from Brawlhalla, you know, it's another popular game of theirs. But from the main show, definitely expect something from Rainbow Six uh, Extraction. That's their, uh, it was originally called uh, uh, Rainbow Six Quarantine. Okay. And then it was called Rainbow Six Parasite. And obviously they changed that for obvious reasons. Yeah, that's a smart move. Yeah. Uh, so that's the next Rainbow Six game. So definitely expect something out of that. Far Cry 6, you know, which is in the works. You know, definitely expect something from that. From that. Uh, the Division Heartland, you know, there there was a leak recently of some footage of the next Divi- uh, uh, Division game. Uh, so maybe something from that. I would expect something from Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you know, maybe the next uh, DLC or something they're adding to it. You know, so that's definitely one thing you should be checking out and keeping your eye on. Uh, the next one uh, worth mentioning is going to be taking place at 2 p.m. Uh, p- Pacific time on Saturday. That is the Gearbox E3 showcase. Uh, those are the folks that work on the Borderlands games. I would expect to hear probably the next bit of DLC from them uh, regarding Borderlands 3. But also there has been a uh, leak of a Borderlands spinoff. Uh and I'm reading from an article on IGN.com. Uh, it appears that Wonderlands has leaked further with a new teaser site for, quote, a new adventure from Gearbox and 2K intended to be announced during the Summer Game Fest, uh, hiding a Wonderlands reference in the source code. Multiple mentions of Play Wonderlands were spotted in the website's source code uh, by a couple folks. Uh, the references have since been taken out of the code, but another Twitter user has pointed out, and IGN has confirmed that a Twitter handle made in December of last year at Play Wonderlands appears to be registered to a 2K.com email. So it looks like we're going to get some sort of spin-off Borderlands games, which I love the hell out of the Borderlands games, so give me that all damn day. Okay. Uh, switching over to Sunday, definitely got a lot going on, but the first thing jumping out to me, and I know you will be interested in it as well, Ken, uh, is at 10 a.m. Pacific time, this is the Xbox and Bethesda the games showcase let's go fuck both of these guys uh for the whole bethesda thing but that's the other hero there uh from bethesda specifically i would definitely expect some stuff uh maybe from starfield yeah that's their space game that everyone's hyped up about maybe something about that death loop uh you know what game they're working on expect something from that i would imagine uh uh elder scroll 6 we've not heard shit about that yeah, i was gonna say that's been dead silent in, in a number of years the only thing i've, I've heard in the last couple of years is there was the 83 year old uh twitch streamer who uh got into twitch and got into elder scrolls skyrim and was super into that and got really popular because of that 
that they put they're gonna put her into the game. That that's like oh the, that's cool. That's like the last I've heard of that game, but that was like two three years ago. Yeah, I was gonna say they, yeah. they went super quiet about that. Yeah, so maybe something from uh, Elder Scrolls Six, and of course they did tease an Indiana Jones game uh, earlier this year. So maybe we finally get our first glimpse of that. Uh, as for the Xbox side of things, definitely expect something out of Halo Infinite. Of course, that's the one everyone's. That's what I'm excited to hear yeah. about. Uh, Fable expect something out of that because there's supposedly another Fable game coming. Uh, another Forza game, Perfect Dark. You know. Expect some stuff out of that. Stayed with the K3 is coming. So definitely a lot of good stuff uh, coming out of Xbox. Uh, and then switching over to uh, a little late, uh, after that at 12.15 uh, Pacific time, Square Enix is having uh, their own uh, panel going on, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Definitely expect something out of Eidos Montreal. Uh, who knows what it'll be? Who knows? They make fantastic stuff. They did a couple of Deus Ex games. But I would imagine something out of them. Final Fantasy 16, which was announced, definitely going to expect to hear something out of that. There's another Dragon Quest game coming, so I would imagine a little bit more about that. Life is Strange to True Colors. Uh, it's the next in the mainline Life is Strange game. It's a sequel. Uh, you know, I would imagine we hear something about that. Uh, also, you got Final Fantasy Origin, which is coming. Really, not much is known about it, but it's a spinoff from Final Fantasy. You know, it. Not real much is known, so I would maybe hear something about that. Uh, and then, obviously, we'll hear stuff about the Marvel Avengers games. Yeah, I was going to say, probably a new DLC. New or... DLC, probably something further you know, going on with that. Uh, obviously, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two. Uh, that's coming, so I would imagine seeing maybe the first trailer, first glimpse of what's going on with that. And then, uh, probably something for these... I didn't realize how popular this damn thing was, but it's still going. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV, which is their MMO game. Uh, they got some new uh, DLC or a new expansion coming with that, so I would imagine they show off something with that. Definitely want to check that one out. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then switching over to Monday, a lot going on, but the one jumping out to me is there is a, at 10.15 a.m., uh, there is the Take-Two Interactive panel. Now, if you're sitting here going, who the heck is Take-Two? I've never heard of them. Uh, here are some of the products they have. Bioshock. Okay. Borderlands. Mm-hmm. Civilization. Okay. Grand Theft Auto. Well, that's a big one. Mafia. Okay. Max Payne. NBA 2K. Let's go. PGA Tour 2K. Yeah. Red Dead. Okay. Uh, WWE 2K. Oh. And the XCOM series. So, yeah. if there, it, Yeah. It, now, it has been rumored for a couple years now that GTA 6 is in the works. That's on point because they started work. Uh, the, folks who wor- the folks who worked on GTA 2 started on it right after GTA 5 came out. So if that whole thing trapped and another team was working on the stuff for the DLC and added stuff for GTA five and GTA online, that would track with once red dead two was done that they'd start working on GTA six. So I would imagine if we hear anything, GTA six, it would be uh, at E3 and probably not till the very end. Cause they're going to tease the hell out of it. Yeah. I'm definitely interested about that. I mean, that's a lot of properties. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's a stupid lot. Uh, and then taking place at two 30 on Monday as well. Again, Pacific time is the Capcom, uh, showcase. And they've actually come straight out and said what they're showing, uh, courtesy of their official Twitter handle at Capcom USA. They're going to be showing off, uh, the great ACE attorney Chronicles, which that's their very popular long running game series featuring lawyers and courtrooms, hmm. uh, monster hunter stories Two. Monster Hunter Rise, and Resident Evil Village. Of course, the super popular new Resident Evil game. Yeah, I was going to say, I yeah. hear a lot of noise about that one. Would not expect something super surprising out of them, because, hey, it's Capcom, and they always like to do good stuff. 
Uh, Switching over to Tuesday, uh, right off the bat, 9 a.m., you've got the Nintendo uh, Direct and Nintendo's Treehouse Live. This is going to be where I think the bombshells are going to drop because Microsoft, we kind of by and large know what's going to happen, what's coming. Yeah. I don't think they've got too much in the pike or coming that's like, holy, you know, especially with acquiring Bethesda and and all the other companies. They don't really have a lot of their big properties short of doing like another uh, uh, Gears of War game are, are coming out. Like you've got your, you've got a uh, Halo coming, you've got Forza, you've got a lot of their mainline games coming. So short of like a Gears of War, I don't think Microsoft has a lot that they can go, hey, you know, mic drop, end of the show moment, surprise, here's right. what's coming. So I think this is going to be where some of the big surprising stuff is coming. Uh, like I said, Nintendo got stuff coming. There's the rumored uh, Nintendo Switch Pro that's coming. Uh, so if they, if this true and if it because there's been a lot of leaks and it's too much smoke for there to not be a fire to it gotcha so i would imagine to hear something about the nintendo switch pro or switch pro as it's being dubbed uh would expect to hear something from uh breath of the wild 2 possibly of course the first zelda sequel and god knows yeah i was gonna say it's been years it's been a long time uh since they made enough like a direct sequel to a legend of zelda game uh splatoon 3 possibly it was mentioned briefly back in february uh, I know Metroid fans are hoping up for a new Metroid uh, game. Maybe possibly. it's been long overdue for that. You know, I long overdue for that. I would imagine hearing about the next character to get added into Smash. And there's been rumors the last couple of weeks or maybe the last couple of months about doing a uh, new Mario Kart game. Because let's face it, Mario Kart 8 came out for the Wii U back in 2014. The game has almost been out as many years as in the number of on the game. So if they're going to do another Mario Kart game, which has been rumored, would expect to hear about it uh, from here. Mario Kart is mad addicting. Mario Mario Kart is super fun. Oh, it's super fun. Like, super fun. It is like for me is between that GoldenEye for the sixty four and Tony Hawk. And somebody actually now that you mentioned it, somebody just remade the entirety of GoldenEye in Far Cry. I want to say it was four or five uh, for PlayStation. They re, like you look up the article on look up the video online. Somebody like made remade the entire game in like this level creator thing in one of the far cry games it's nuts that's insane oh somebody has way too much time on their hands yeah but no yeah definitely a lot to check out and definitely keep tuned into some of that because i I got a buddy who's like yeah you're not ready for some of the stuff that's going to get announced that isn't out yet so i'm super excited yeah i mean e3 is the big deal if you're if you're a gamer this is your comic-con so oh yeah Definitely a lot of news coming out. I'm, I'm more excited to hear about some of the comic properties coming out. Oh, yeah. You know, because, yeah. I mean, we've always heard about with the Gotham Knights. Yeah. That, you know, obviously yep. that one's heavily. There's a, there's a rumored uh, Guardians of the Galaxy game that might be getting announced. Yeah. I know that's been rumored the last couple of weeks that there's a Guardians of the Galaxy game coming, but we'll see. I'm keeping my ear out for the Suicide Squad versus Justice League one. True. I know since Fandom, I've been, like, fiending to find out yeah. about that. So Yeah. Switching over to my comic picks for the week. Uh, you got Amazing Spider-Man issue number 68. Listen, Nick Spencer's still writing. Enough said. Enough said. Uh, Batman the Detective issue number three. Uh, Detective Comics issue number 1037. God of War Fallen God issue number four. Iron Man issue number nine. Uh, James Bond Agent of Spectre issue number four. And then lastly, The Joker issue number four. That one I'm hearing a lot of crazy buzz about. I've not got a chance to read it yet, but I'm hearing the some real wild stuff happens also shout out to star wars war of the bounty hunters uh last week for bringing back a certain character that not everyone knew where the heck she was yeah that was a crazy reveal was, uh, someone closely related to han solo in his uh, solo movie yeah just saying she might have the character or the actress might have also played in game of thrones dun 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 if i've not dropped enough hints for you to figure out who it is yet i can't help you yeah but there's a lot of good stuff to go pick up at the shop. So make sure you're going to the local comic shop 
and supporting them and go grab some books and definitely we'll interact with you about that on Twitter. So definitely throw your picks in there. We like to talk that comic talk here on the ODPH. So my one shots, uh, let's see, where do we kick off with this week? I actually got a ton of stuff to do. Uh, it was just announced that on Batwoman, we finally are going to see the character of Luke Fox, played by Cameron Johnson, suit up as Batwing, like in the comics. Okay. This is the promotional art I'm showing Pad. Oh, that's nice. That is so comic accurate. I am marking out when I see that. Uh, he's slated to debut in the suit at the season two finale, and yep, it'll be carrying sense. into season three. So, like I said, the promotional art looks on point. The costume looks super, super good. Super excited to check that out when that episode drops, and definitely start checking out what he's going to be doing for season three. Because, like I said, Batwoman, I've been catching up on a little bit. It's been solid. Yeah. So I just I've been juggling around with so much stuff on streaming. I just haven't had the time to really deep dive on it. But I'm definitely hearing a lot of good things about the show. So definitely want to check it out if you're a Batwoman fan. Hit me up on OD Parlay Hour on Twitter. Let me know. Yeah. Let me know what you think of the show. So next up on mine list here, there was some DC news that really caught me off guard. Dwayne the Rock Johnson, familiar with the name, is leading the charge about the uh, super studded cast for the League. Of Super Pets. Yep. I saw, I heard about this cast. This cast is nuts. This is absolutely crazy. So Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going to be voicing Crypto, the Super Dog, Kevin Hart as Ace, the Bat Hound. And this just looks absolutely crazy. So I think Keanu Reeves is in this too. Yep. John Krasinski is tagged to this as well. So the casting for this is absolutely crazy. The tweet out for it, it looks so, so fun. And like I say, just to see this happening is wild to me. Yeah. So it's set to arrive in theaters on May 20th of 2022. So if you're looking for something that's definitely not the dark, gritty Snyderverse, yeah. this might be up your alley. I will, I will say, like, when they first announced this, I was like, oh, okay, it makes sense. Something for the kids. And then they announced the cast for it, and I'm like, you know, this drops on HBO Max. I might have to watch this. Yeah, I know they got so much stuff coming out there. It's like, it's hard to even think that in 2022, they're still going to have the same deal for HBO Max in the theaters. Because I know, obviously, they're yeah. riding out this year. Yeah. So it's just wild to even think about, like, this movie is going to be there instead. And either way, like, I'm actually interested to see this, if I can even talk right. This definitely looks, like, super fun. And that's the cool thing about this. And I know there's some rumors going on about uh, Blue Beetle is getting filmed straight for HBO Max. Dead Man is getting done. I, I did not get a chance to really deep dive into those, so hopefully I have something for that for next week. But they're really lining up a lot of stuff coming out next in the next few years for DC, which I'm excited to hear about. Then there was some Netflix news. Now, Pad, do you know what's going on with Netflix this week? Uh, they're doing a whole live stream thing. Yeah, so if you're not following at Netflix Geeked, G-E-E-K-E-D, they have been going every day, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon in the east, um, unveiling a lot of stuff going on. Most notably, we did see a little partial reveal, so to speak, of the Cowboy Bebop live-action show they're doing, okay. uh, which I have to say I was very impressed with. Did I was super happy to see what I saw. Didn't give a full trailer, but they definitely gave enough that I sat there and I was like, you know what, I'm going to be super happy with this. Uh, the thing that blew me away, though, the most is we did get to see some behind-the-scenes about Neil Gaiman's The Sandman. Okay. The set looks fantastic. Absolutely blown away by the detail. Okay. If you've never read The Sandman comic, it is the goat of mature readers' comics. I guess. It's in the conversation. Sure. 
So when this show hits, it's going to be a big deal. If you're not ready for it, you definitely got to get ready for it. It was also revealed that Lock and Key will be back for Season 2 in October. So I'm guessing we might hear some stuff in New York Comic Con. Just putting that out there. Uh, They had a lot of stuff. Stranger Things was releasing uh, a little tidbit about some new characters going on. Umbrella Academy announced all the episode title names. Cool. So, yeah, it's something that if you're into the Netflix properties... You definitely want to go check out, follow them on Twitter. I know on their Facebook page, they're also sharing it as well. It's definitely a fun love letter to the fans. So if you're excited to see anything that's going on with your favorite Netflix show that's along the geek side of things, you definitely want to go check it out. Uh, And I have to say, Sweet Tooth, definitely worth the time checking out. It's on point. It is everything you expect for a summer sleeper film or show that we've been talking about here on the ODPH. Uh, And to kind of piggyback on that, it was announced that Jupiter's Legacy will not be returning. Bomber. Yeah, kind of a little surprising to see because I hear that it was actually doing well in the streaming, but uh, Netflix has decided to shift gears on it that they're not renewing it as of uh, right now for a season two that the actors were released from their contracts, I believe. Yeah. And they're going to be shifting focus on the Super Crooks uh, spinoff idea. So yeah. we might see some characters appear there. I don't know. I got to admit, I'm not super excited about seeing the spinoff show. It's just not doing anything for me. Jupiter's Legacy, I thought, was good. I yeah. was not blown away. It was, it was all right. No, I mean, it definitely started picking up towards the end, but yeah. the beginning was a little rough to it, get it was going. Just, it was just a little too all over the place. Yeah, it just it was trying to juggle too much. And like I say, if you read Kingdom Come, you have an idea what the story is going to be, at least in my opinion. Yeah. So that being said, I'm not going to cry too much of a river about that, but there's so much on Netflix geeked. You definitely need to go check out. And like I said, let me know what you think about the Sandman footage they dropped. I know Stranger Things are kind of leaking out a little bit here and there. Uh, kind of just teasing everybody, and this is just a nice thing for the fans that you can get a little excited about what's going on. And like I said, the Cowboy Bebop stuff, I'm on, I'm, I'm here all day for, all day. And to close out, to follow up about a story we were talking about last week, it has been announced the details involving the Inferno story that is going to be going on in the X Men oh. universe. So it has been leaked out that the story is going to be based around Mystique. Okay. Now, are you familiar with what's going on with the X-verse of Jonathan Hickman here? Other than they invited a bunch of famous people, and I don't know, Eminem said yes. Yes, to the Hellfire Gala. Yeah. He was there. Kevin Feige was there, too? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's been kind of a little wild thing. Uh, they did announce the details for Inferno, and Mystique is going to be the prominent character of it. It's a four-issue limited series, and it is going to be dealing with how she has been trying to bring back her wife, Destiny. Hmm. Now, you know about the whole thing with there's nobody dies on Kuroka. Yeah. Everybody comes back. Well, Destiny is the only one they haven't brought back. Xavier and Magneto have not allowed this to happen because if Destiny comes back, she's going to reveal the truth about Moria McTaggart, who has turned out to be one of the most important mutants of all time. I mean, it's one of the biggest bombshell episodes you can think about in the comics. So... This is dealing with Mystique is done waiting around and is going to act out, and this could possibly lead to the end of Kuroka. I'm excited to check this out because, like I said previously on episodes, I was not a fan of the 1989 crossover. Right. Did not do anything for me. But if this is going to be based around Mystique versus everybody, I am definitely on board. And if this means the end of Kuroka and the end of X... This is going to have major ramifications. Eh, just a bit. Just a bit, but you know what? I'm excited to see how this is all playing out because we know that this reboot of the X-Men line has been very polarizing with some fans. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I am a fan of it. I think they've done a lot of great things, especially with X-Force and Marauders, that 
really had me reading X-Men comics that I wasn't so in tune to before, but I do understand about the a lot of complaints I've heard about the line too. Either way, if you're an X-Men fan, you want to definitely go check it out and definitely let me know what you think on OD Parlay Hour on Twitter because I definitely want to talk about that. That all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Shout at the Robots. They're fantastic people. They are actually uh-huh. having live shows coming out, Pat. Ooh. There's one coming up sooner than later that I need to get the details about because it was leaked out that they got show dates coming. Shout is amazing live if you haven't checked them out. Pat, where do I go to find out about Shout? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. You check out everything going on with them. You go check out everything going on with Tom Jolo. You can sign up for the album right now and have the early access to everything going on with that fantastic album. He's playing out live this week, too. Okay. You can also check out everything going on with Second Suitor. They're doing a live stream this week. You can also check out Brian Wolf, whatever he's doing down in Texas, because you know he's got a lot of things in the, in the plans, and I'm telling you, you don't want to miss out on that. Check out everything with Floodlands, Yard Party, everybody that gives us music to play here on the show, and we are so, so thankful for that. You can also check out The Directory, which has Friends of the Show, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we are in. So shout out to the Apocalypse. Shout out to the Inner Circle. Shout out to 607 Podcasts. You know how we do. Four years and running now. And definitely want to shout out our guys over at 8122 Productions, Rich, Ron, Mike C, and hashtag Big Nanny Cool. Still on Twitter, Pat. Oh, Lord. You can't get rid of the King of the Minnows. You can only hope to contain him. For more information about what all those guys are doing, patreon.com slash 8122productions. And you want to find out about what's going on with the Tee Public store, too, because there's a sale going on Thursday through Saturday this week. As we are downloading, whenever you hear this episode, June 10th through June 12th, you want to get those Parlay Club shirts. You want to get anything to support in the ODPH. Items are up to 35% off. You need to get it in your system. It's a perfect time to buy. Definitely go check it out. All of that, Parlay Points. We've got new blogs out this week. We've got three new blogs out this week. Three, Pad. Three. That's a lot. It's a lot. We've got a lot of people hitting us up to do comic reviews, so shout out to everybody that's been reaching out to us. All of that and so much more at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, everybody, for four amazing years of the ODPH Podcast. we got more coming, so definitely you want to stick around, follow, listen, share, and we can't say thank you enough for all the support. I'm Ken M. We'll see you next time.